0: your hands in the valley If you can look up you feel alone, but Jesus will find you in your isolation, yes he will, and he'll gently to believe Jesus will always be enough for you. Thank you Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. you you may be seated praise God praise God I hate Seattle I just hate Seattle just don't like Seattle
1: <clears throat> Don't
0: like the people. Don't like really anything about it.
1: <clears throat>
0: now, I didn't say this, but a few years ago we were out with a large group of people after a conference one evening. We sat down with several people, including a young man I didn't know. Somehow, the subject of Seattle came up. He was 20-something, which, you know, nothing wrong with being 20-something. But he began to rail on Seattle. I don't like Seattle, never have. I don't like the weather. I don't like the people. I don't like much about it. Well, some of us had been to Seattle, and there were some things I didn't care for, but I, I didn't hate Seattle. So I finally asked, I said, how long has it been since you've been to Seattle? He said, oh, I've never been to Seattle. How do you know you don't like it? I just don't like it. I, I'm never going to go. I, I just can't stand it. So he, he didn't really know Seattle. He didn't know about the New England clam chowder at Ivers by the Sea. He didn't know about the original Starbucks, where there's no place to sit. And one time we went, and there was a, a group of five Uh, singers outside called the Apostolics believe it or not and they were singing gospel songs in harmony not that that represents the brand very well but he didn't know about the menu at the 13 Coins restaurant by the airport that stays open 24 hours with booth backs that go up about 12 feet uh, nearly to the ceiling. He didn't know about Pike's Place Market, the bustling markets that And the shops around. He just didn't know what he was talking about. Right? And today, I want to talk about this subject. I know God is for me. I know God is for me. Today, there is a cacophony. There's a a chaotic blend of voices that are demanding our attention. They sell our attention as a commodity on Instagram, Google, Facebook, whatever Twitter is called now. The ability to keep your attention for, for one more second is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there are voices that scream that their particular ideology is the answer to everything. If we are liberal enough, if we are gay enough, if we are green enough, if we are concerned enough, if we are altruistic enough, if we are one race enough, if we are another race enough, if we are woke enough, if we are something enough, then the world will right itself magically and we will halt our sinking descent into the darkness of night. And there are people who will stand in line to eagerly tell you what is wrong with the church. There are glaring faults sometimes deadly diseases. I don't know about your city. In my city, the fastest growing group demographic of faith is those who claim no faith. It's the largest and the fastest growing. But there are not enough voices. There are too few individuals who will tell us what is right about God. Now, there's a lot I do not know. I confess that. I wish I knew if God negotiated. I wish I knew if he negotiated, and if so, what are the terms? I wish I knew, for instance, if Abraham had said a different, smaller, minimum number of righteous souls when he was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah? If he hadn't stopped at 10, would the cities have been saved? I don't know. I wish I knew what Hezekiah's key was when he prayed with his face against the wall and God granted him another 15 years. I would insert that special sauce into the ingredients of my prayers, and I would linger and I would wait for a different outlook, for a hopeful change in direction. I don't know. I wish I knew the difference between Abel's martyrdom, inspired by his better sacrifice, and the sparing of Isaac's life, when his father was offering him as a sacrifice on the altar. In short, I wish I knew why Abel died and Isaac didn't. I'm sure, we could come up with some ideas, some possibilities, but I don't have a definitive answer. Theodicy is the branch of theology that defends God's goodness and justice in the face of the existence of evil. And I don't understand it fully. Joseph, telling his dreams, seemed to contribute to his abduction and sale into slavery by his brothers. I don't don't know. Seemed like it. It didn't help him. But I don't know if that was God-ordained to set into motion a chain of events that would eventually save the infanation of Israel or if it was just unwise oversharing like some of us do on social media. I don't know. I don't know why mass murderer. Charles Manson lived to be 83 years old. And my godly son was taken at 35. I don't get it. I don't know. But I know that God is for me. I know that God is for me. David didn't know where to go. King Saul had turned against him and had sought to kill him, and in desperation he had fled to the Philistines, whose champion he had killed. He came to Gath and he was recognized and labeled as a serious threat. Not knowing what to do, he improvised. He suddenly pretended to have lost his mind and, feigned madness, complete with a display of scratching on the doors of the gate and slobbering down his own beard? The account is found in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 10 through 15. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this... Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances, saying Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now David took these words to heart, smart guy, and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them, pretended madness in their hands, and scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Now, what I love about the book of Psalms is that Psalms has labels on many of the psalms that give you context. And there is a psalm that corresponds with this passage of Scripture in Samuel, and it's Psalm 56. And Psalm 56 has the headline at the beginning. It says, to the chief musician set to the set to the silent dove in distant lands, a miktam of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. This is part of the song he wrote. When I cry out to you then my enemies will turn back. This I know. Because God is for me. This I know because God is for me. One translation said, "Then my enemies will turn back on the day when I call. I know this because God is mine." I don't know about you, but I want to I want to stand up and listen to somebody that knows what they're talking about. I don't have much time for the guy that hated Seattle. But David had been through some stuff. David had been through some challenges. And here's a voice of assurance, certainty. He knows what he's talking about. Any man that's an authority in his field, especially if the field is worthwhile, is worthy of our attention. When Jesus spoke, they gathered around him because he spoke as one with authority, the book of Matthew says. And we ought to listen with greater attention because of the supreme importance of the knowledge. David wasn't just knowledgeable about something that was useless. If you know all of the scores, Of all of the rugby games from 1980, congratulations. But I'm not sure when the chips are down and I'm having a real problem in my life if I'm going to call you to find the answer to one of those questions. Some people know a lot about useless stuff. There is a type of knowledge that's practically worthless. I don't know if they can put the slide up, but somebody gave me a book one time, and it was called The Book of Totally Useless Knowledge. It's about that thick. Pastor Harvey, I don't know why they gave me that book. I thought... Why do I need a book that thick of knowledge I don't need? I I tell you what, if I go to a doctor, I don't care if he knows what the rugby scores are. If I need help to get well, I just want to know the scores on the tests that he passed for my surgery. We can major in the minors. You know what I'm saying? There's a kind of knowledge that's practical, though, and worthwhile. And even that knowledge can fall short in two respects. First, it doesn't meet our highest needs. Maybe there's something that people know, but it's not exactly what we need. And the second possibility is that it just doesn't last. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8, Paul said, If there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. NASA administration said, By the time you're a junior, what you learn as a freshman is obsolete. The world is changing faster than we can change. But the knowledge that David had is the most valuable. What David knew is so priceless that if we miss it, even if you're able to acquire all the other knowledge, life would still be pathetic without what David knew. And if, on the other hand, you get a hold of this now, then even if you miss all the rest of it, you can still have a victorious life. This I know, he said. God is for me. Now I'm going to get real for, for, for a bit here. You can come to a point in your life where everything else is extraneous. You don't wanna hear what people know, you don't wanna hear what they think the answer is. When our son became ill, everybody had the answer. With somebody it was juicing, Was somebody it was having a certain kind of water. Was We, we were inundated with solutions. Everybody had what we should do. We were so mixed up, we didn't know where to turn. I thought, I just wish everybody would just be quiet. Because that's not helping me. We're running 800 different directions if we're listening to all of that. I have to get down to what really counts. And although I don't know all the answers, And although I can't tell you how far the nearest star is, or I don't have all the I don't I don't have all the knowledge that some people have, I'll tell you what I need to know. I need to know that God is still on my side. I need to know that his motives are pure. Because when I pray, I need help. I need God to come through. I need God to bring strength. I need God to bring peace when I can't go to sleep at night. There are times when you face things. I'm talking to people that are here. It's not the people that aren't here I'm talking to. I'm talking to us right here. If you haven't, you will face something in life where you've got to find out where the foundation is because you're free falling and you can't find the bottom and you can't find you don't have anything to stand on and you got to find something that you can use as a foundation. I don't know. I don't know who the beast is in Revelation and I don't. I don't have all the ideas about how many actual days it took for creation, but I got. I know that God cares about me right now. I gotta know that God still knows my name. I gotta know that God has my address. I've gotta know that God is for me. I don't need secondhand knowledge. A lot we know that's secondhand. I've heard a lot about Darwin, but it's one of the cities in Australia I've never been to. I don't know about, Dar- I'm not gonna say I hate Darwin, cause I've never been there. You may say it if you've been there, but I don't have any knowledge. But this knowledge is within reach of everybody. What I know about Dubai, I have to trust somebody else secondhand. What I know about neurology, I have to trust my son-in-law. He's a neurologist. I don't know anything about it. What I have to know about electricity, I got to find somebody that knows about that. I'm not going to start fixing things and trust that I'm not going to get shocked. I'm going I'm to go to somebody that actually does know. I don't want to try that with secondhand knowledge but you know what? Anybody can have firsthand knowledge of what I'm talking about. I said anybody can have firsthand knowledge about what I'm talking about. There's an account that I read that happened years ago of an atheist that wanted to have some fun with an uneducated man. He had only known the Lord a few short years. And the atheist said, do you know anything about Jesus Christ? And the man said, yes, by the grace of God, I think I do. When was he born was the next question. The man didn't really know, and he gave an incorrect answer. How old was he when he died? Again, the answer wasn't right. Other questions were asked with the same result until the atheist said with a sneer, see, you don't know so much about Jesus as you thought, do you? He said, I know all too little. His humble answer, but he, he said, I know this. Three years ago, I was one of the worst alcoholics in this city. Three years ago, my wife was a brokenhearted woman, and my children were as afraid of, of me as if I were a monster. And today, I have one of the happiest homes in this city. And when I come home at night, at the close of the day, my wife and my children are glad to see me. Jesus did this for me. I do know that. I do know that. That's firsthand right there. I know that God is for me. The psalmist said, I know, first of all, that God is. And not only did he... Discover that God is is real, but he discovered that God cares. God cares. Oh, man, I said this at men's conference, but, you know, I got to tell you, there's a time when you pray where I don't need a God that spins planets into orbit. I just need a God who understands. For those of you that don't know, our, our son lost a six-year battle with cancer. Still got a program, it was two years ago this, this week, but I still got his program from his celebration of life in my iPad. Six-year battle with cancer, left three small boys, passed away at the age of 35. You know, when all that happened, I'm going to step out on a limb here, Pastor. And I, I tell my preachers, if you start a sentence with, I'll let the pastor clean this up when I'm gone, then don't say it. So I'm going to filter here. But I wonder, I'll say I wonder, if there are some songs we sing that would be hard to sing at the cross. Because if we sang them, Jesus would have to get down. And when we were at the bottom and we were going through the last days, it wasn't this majestic God that I met. It was a God who had become flesh and suffered. He didn't keep back from suffering. He went to the cross. He was betrayed by friends. He was, everybody left him. And while we were holding our son, it wasn't that majesty that ministered us. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, that's what's going to draw people. You may think that's about worship. I've studied it, I've asked biblical scholars, it has nothing to do with worship. The very next verse says, he was talking about how he was going to die. If I be lifted up on the cross, that's what's gonna draw people to me. And when we're weeping in the night, it's not his majesty the height of his majesty that draws us. It's the depth of his suffering. It's the depth of his suffering. You may find this strange, but my wife found comfort in the fact that he allowed his mother to watch her son die in his 30s because that's what my wife did. And when it all comes down to that moment, I know he's right with me. He's beside me. And when I wonder about how everything is going to turn out in my life, and it's a crisis of faith when you have a crisis in life. It's a crisis of faith. And I'm thinking, oh, God, where are you? And I discover he's right next to me. I know. I don't have all the answers, but I know you're for me. I know your motives are pure. I know you love me. I'm sorry if you came tonight and we thought we were going to run the aisles and everything else, but I want to minister to somebody that's going through questions in your life and you don't have the answers. Sometimes you just got to suspend the questions and say, my answer is his presence. I know God is for me. I know God is with me. I know he said he'll never leave me or forsake me. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Paul said to Timothy, for this reason I also suffer these things, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him until that day. I like what Paul said. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if God is for us, Then who can be against us? If God is for us, then who can be against us? I think many times, what's the symbol they put on the top of churches? What is it? A cross. Is Jesus on that cross? No, it's an empty cross. Does anybody find that strange? I mean, in the United States, we still have capital punishment. I've never seen him put an electric chair on top of a church. Have you ever seen a church with a guillotine on the top? Maybe over in France or something. A guillotine on top of a church? Why not? They're all symbols of torture. What's the difference? I'll tell you the difference. Jesus turned that symbol of suffering into victory. I said, Jesus turned that symbol of suffering into victory. It's an empty cross. You know what he's telling us? I'm for you. I went ahead of you. I suffered for you. I died for you. But the story didn't end there. I got up out of that grave. I'm not still on that cross. You're going to make it through the trial. You're going to make it through the suffering. You're going to make it through the sickness. You're going to make it through the challenge because I went before you. And I'm fighting for you. And I love you. This is what I want you to remember. If God is for you, it doesn't matter what is against you. If God is for you, it really doesn't matter what's against you. That's simple. But for me, that's what got me through. When I distilled it down to the very lowest common denominator, I just had to come to the understanding God's on my side. God loves me, God loves me, God's for me, I want to encourage you tonight. I don't know what you're facing, but God is for you. He's going to give you the strength. Look to the cross. He's going to give you the strength to overcome, to be victorious. story isn't over. God is going to bring victory in your life. I believe that. That doesn't always mean that everything's going to happen exactly like you want it to happen. But even when it doesn't, remember, would you say it with me? God is for me. God is for me. I can stand on that truth. Jesus loves me. David wrote a psalm, 34. It's another psalm. If you read it in the New King James, it says the happiness of those who trust in God. But when you read the heading, it says a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. This is what he wrote when he was going through one of the greatest challenges of his life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. That's when he wrote those words. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I know we cherry pick these verses and we pull them out and we celebrate them, but this was written when he was in the throes of despair. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near To those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. (laughs) How can you write such courageous words? Because I know God is for me. He's got me in the palm of his hand. Before we come and pray, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray a focused prayer. Lord, right now, I pray that the word of God would go to the heart you've intended. In the name of Jesus, the pain, the wound, the injury, the sickness, the disappointment, the discouragement, pray that the Holy Ghost would flow in right now and minister in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Could we come to the front tonight in this altar? Would you come with the knowledge and the faith that God is for you? God loves you tonight. About you. And if God is for you, it doesn't matter what you face. It doesn't matter what is against you. Thank the Lord.
1: Thank I know you, that you are for me. I know that you are for me. I know that you will never forsake. right now. Touch right now.
0: Come on, let the Holy Ghost minister right now.
1: There's
0: healing in the house for you. I thank you that you did not hold back, but you suffered. You led the way to victory through your suffering. And I know you're going to lead me to victory. I know you've got me in the palm of your hand. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your heart and let him pour strength in right now. I speak strength and victory. And encouragement and power in Jesus' name. Lord, I come against doubt and fear and discouragement and depression in Jesus' name. Let your spirit minister all over this building.